the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All righty. Okay. Hey, guys. Welcome back to Some Sanity with Morgan Zeggers, my little podcast. How are you guys doing? Uh, last week, I gave my my lecture on boss babe culture and the toxicity of it. Uh, and this week, because something happened to me over the weekend, I wanted to do an episode about a lesson that I learned from it. And not only that, but a, a bigger issue that we're all facing. And, and that's when to show grace, when to judge, and, and how to understand the difference between the two of those. And in different situations. And so for yourself, for strangers and for people in your life. Um, so if you've seen my Instagram, <laughs> there's a lot of pictures of me with, um, my everyday carry, right? So my little Glock 43 X is what I carry on me all the time. I either appendix carry it or it's in my purse or it's in my fanny pack when I'm working out always. And I think it's really important. I'm five feet tall. I'm 112 pounds. I lost a couple of pounds recently. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I always love that. Not that I'm like, I'm not overweight. I just love being healthy. So when I'm like, yeah, look at me go. Either way, back to the subject. So I'm 112. I'm five feet tall. I'm a tiny little thing. Uh, I've got to protect myself, but the only way that I can semi be equal with some man that's potentially attacking me one day would be with a firearm. And so I encourage all women and all men to be carrying, uh, in Arizona, it's constitutional carry. So I carry every day and I'm always posting about it because I have my little hashtag normalized to radicalize and I want to normalize concealed carry for women to radicalize them into embracing freedom. <laughs> I'm just kidding kind of when I say that, but not really. Um, so Right. I'm carrying all the time. Uh, if you look at my Instagram, I've always like showing different outfits and the way that I'm carrying and stuff or like how I have it in my purse when I'm wearing a dress. I'm also going to get a thigh holster so that when I'm at political events and stuff, I could just have it like in my dress. Uh, I think that'll be cool. So needless to say, Morgan became complacent this weekend and got in a little pickle. And that's exactly what the lesson that I first want to talk about is, is when you're complacent you get yourself into trouble because you become comfortable with your surroundings and you stop being so aware and you make bad decisions and that's what leads you to be put into situations where you're going to uh, have some trouble. So me, I got an apartment in Arizona. I have a house in Texas. I have an apartment in Arizona right now renting the house out in Texas and I'm in Arizona to film with Turning Point and to just do a lot more work stuff. I'm trying to save up for that homestead property, baby. You know what it is. And <laughs> so I'm in Arizona. I've got my apartment. It's not that I'm going backwards in life. This is like actually a really big step for me so that I can pay for that homestead. You know what I'm saying? And I'm in this apartment. It's small. It's cramped. It's not like my house in Texas. I have all my studio equipment like on top of me. It's insane. Um, 
there's a pool here because it's Arizona. It's freaking hot. And I, on the weekends, am still working. A Monday, a Friday, a Saturday, Sunday, all of those days look the same for me. It's not like I'm looking forward to the weekend because I just am constantly grinding. But I love the work that I do so it doesn't feel like work. And so on like a Saturday versus a weekday, I don't have any news hits on the weekends. I don't have any filming stuff. I don't need to be putting makeup on. I don't have to be all up and done. And so that's the day where I can kind of go on a hike and then I will finish doing my work that is more creative. So I try not to look at screens on the weekends, stuff like that, because when you're doing content creation, when you're doing all this stuff online, it means you're always staring at screens and I hate that. So I save for the weekends my uh, creative work, the stuff that I can write in notebooks, where I can scribble, where I can read, where I can do my research, where I don't have to be looking at my phone or my laptop. And that means now that I'm in Arizona, I'm like, ooh, I'll do a little pool sesh where I do my research and read for a couple hours. And that's what happened this weekend. So this is where it gets weird. So on Saturday, I've got to run some errands. I've got to do some stuff. And then I was going to finish the second half of the day outside by the pool, just getting some fresh air, doing my research and my all my kind of book work. And so I had my big backpack full of book work. But when I was heading out to my errands, I had one last thing I had to do. And I drove out of the apartment complex and there was this group of 20 boys or so, probably like 15 or 20 young teenager, early 20 boys. And they looked sketchy. They didn't look like they were from around here, if you know what I'm saying. And for me, Grandmother Morgan, <laughs> I look at it and at first I'm like, why are these kids in the road? And I had to like drive through them. They didn't move out of the way, which I thought, kids these days. But then I was also like, you know what? It's so nice to see young boys outside, like the good old days. They're outside playing. Maybe they're playing basketball or something. I don't know. I just literally thought that they were spending time outdoors. And I was like, that is so refreshing to see all of these friends hanging out terrible intuition, Morgan. So I drive through them and then I go and get my last little thing. I think I got a coffee maker because I'm so tired of doing the pour over in the mornings. It's a long story. I come back and the boys aren't there. And I'm like, interesting. But then I'm like, wait, there's four boys over there by the Starbucks too. So the group is gone, but then there's a few other stragglers by the Starbucks near my apartment. And I'm like, more boys outside. I love seeing these guys outside. That is so fun. (laughs) So I drive back into my apartment complex and I get my bikini on and I get a little beach cover up on and I stuff my backpack with all my books, all my research papers, my highlighter, my pen, all the stuff that I need for a little session by the pool. And then I'm like, you know, I'm just walking across the street. I don't need my fanny pack. <laughs> I'm in my beach gear, so I don't want to wear my fanny pack, blah, blah, blah. I don't put my gun in my fanny pack the way I usually do for a walk. I put my gun in my backpack And then I two-strap that backpack on like a kindergartner, and I start walking. And what do you know? The boys are gone, but I walk across the street, which I had to do, the main street, and then back into the other side of the apartment complex to get to the pool. And then I'm walking to the pool, and I'm very aware of things. I'm, I'm small. I have to be aware. I'm very aware of things. But all of a sudden, even as I'm aware of my surroundings, luckily I at least paid attention to this, I'm walking and maybe I'm 10 or 15 feet from the pool entrance and there's like all these shrubbery and and these tables and stuff and I'm right by the main apartment complex building and this guy pops out of nowhere and starts quickly approaching me. Exactly like you would expect in the training situations. Holy moly. And as it's happening, because I at least am like a pretty 
you know, prepared person and I, I try and study up on this stuff. I try and listen to the women on Instagram and all of their tutorials on like what to do to make sure that you're safe. This guy is quickly approaching me and within a matter of seconds, I'm able to identify, okay, he's in jeans, a dark black shirt, black sneakers, and a black uh, beanie. Winter hat is on his head and it's 95 degrees out. This guy stands out to me. He does not look like a safe creature coming at me. He's walking fast. He looks shaky. He looks freaked out. I didn't know, like, okay, he's clearly maybe on drugs or something, maybe. And he's asking me for something. And he's got this, like, pleading look in his eyes. And so all of this is happening in a matter of a couple seconds. And so my first thought is, where the heck is my gun? I go like this. I put my hand where my fanny pack should be in literally every situation it usually is. What do you know? Morgan put her gun in her backpack with her books because I thought I was just walking across the street in my apartment complex. Complacency is dangerous. And I realized, okay, so I've got my backpack on, two strapping my backpack like the kindergartner that I am with my books and my gun in my backpack. The time for him to have approached me if he was a violent person versus the time for me to take off my two-strapped backpack, unzip the backpack, whip it out, take it out of the holster, and point it at him. What do you know, guys? I would not be surviving that one. So there was that complacency I carry all the time. And then look at me. This is how Morgan dies, being complacent, walking in her bikini and a beach cover-up over across the street to the pool because she for one second thought she was just going to go read at the pool for a couple hours. So that right there was the first thing. Don't be complacent. Always try and make sure that if you're going to carry, why would you do it in a sloppy way? Why would you do that in a sloppy way? That's why I always have it by my purse if I'm in a, a, a dress and I can't put it on my my body, all that stuff. Usually it's one reach away and it's a clean swoop. And then I got complacent one time. So ladies out there, hope you're listening. I got a lot of messages about that. And I get messages about it all the time. And so now I'm going to make sure that people hear that story too of like, even me, I try and be so self-aware. Even I was caught in a situation where, say this guy, luckily he wasn't violent or aggressive in the way, but that happened so quick and I was not prepared and it could have been a lot worse. So next phase of the story is what did I do? This guy is quickly approaching me, looks really shaky. He clearly is out of place. He's wearing a beanie and just things that you wouldn't expect in 95 degree Phoenix weather. And he's asking me for something. And so I just have to kind of calm the situation down. I, I am admitting I had no idea what to freaking do. And so the instincts were just the basics of what I've heard from some of the female like survivalist kind of girls that I follow. Um, and so you're supposed to like use your arms, your hands, your words, and you're supposed to make distance. And so I start backing up. I put my hands up, but you're supposed to keep them kind of close to your body. Paige Rue taught me that. Um, some girl who shoots on Instagram. Put your hands up close to your body because if you go like this, then they can grab your hands. And I start saying, whoa. (laughs) And luckily, I mean, apparently like women are supposed to practice speaking this stuff out loud for when they get in these situations so that they don't get, you know, give off that weak impression. You're supposed to like practice saying back the F up. And I, my go-to bad word, like when I'm practicing self-defense is the F word. I've got to admit it. I don't ever usually say it, but usually if I'm practicing, it's something like back the F up. I'm trying, this guy looks a little sad and scared and confused, but is also way bigger than me. So I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And he starts like slowly still coming at me. And I'm like, okay, 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 what's going on? And I just kind of like stop him because he's talking really fast. And I'm trying to slow him down, 
seeing what's what the situation is. And he explains to me that he's trying to ask me for an Uber, but he can't use his phone because he's trying to get an Uber. He needs me to call him an Uber to get out of a bad situation. And so I'm like, okay. And this guy doesn't realize he's just run into Morgan Zegas. And I am a compassionate, lovely woman. And I'm ready to fix this problem. I'm a solutions-oriented person. So I see this and I'm like, here we go. What are we going to do now? Why are you running away from something? And I'm like trying to be calm and I'm trying to like be like, okay, I could be a good figure for whatever this guy's problem is. And he explains that he got himself in a pickle. I always, I like how I call these things pickles. He explains that there are boys outside of the apartment complex that are searching for him to fight him. And he ran away from them and into this apartment complex that he didn't live in to search for safety and avoid them because he's scared. And in that situation, what a, what the heck are you supposed to do? And I had just spoken to my friend John Root about how like his mom is just the most gracious and loving and forgiving person and, and Christian and all this great stuff about like that's like she's just the best woman. And it, I had just said to him the night before like, I really hope I get described as that one day. Like when I'm older and when I'm dead, I hope people describe me like that. I hope people saw those vir- those virtues in me and those traits. And so that just came to mind of like, okay, this is a situation where instead of telling this guy to F off, perhaps there's something to be done. And again, this is all happening in my head in like a span of 15 seconds as he's explaining that he needs an Uber. So I try and break it down and say, why do you need the Uber? Last night he had gotten into a fight with these guys because he's in a sketchy field of work. Let's just say that. I'm not going to expose him or anything. He's in a sketchy field of work. He got in a fight last night. And the guys on the other guy's team were looking for round two because they weren't happy with the fact that he apparently won this fight. Now, Grandma Morgan is like trying to remain calm because I'm trying to help I'm trying to have you show the grace, but I'm also like, whoa, this is not my world. Um, Okay. And so I say, you know what? I have an idea. I see people over by the pool. I don't like being alone with this guy. And so I say, let's go over here and sit down. And so I bring him to a more public space where I, people have eyeballs on me. That's the first thing. People had eyeballs on me because I moved the situation. We sat down at a table asked him if he needed anything. Is he hungry? Is he? And he asked if for water. Luckily, because I'm a prepared lady and I'm like a mom with no kids, I had five water bottles in my backpack <laughs> with all my books because I like to be hydrated. In Arizona, I've been here for just a couple weeks and I'm thirsty all the time. So I have like five water bottles and I'm like, yes, this is my moment. Here we go. I have one for you. So I give him a water bottle and we sit down and I'm trying to like make him feel comfortable. And he just explains his story of he got in this, this situation and he, he looks really scared. He is like shaking. And so I tried to just ask him some questions, establish, establish some commonalities between us, make him my friend. And we ended up talking quite a lot, you guys, quite a lot. And I I got his life story. I got, why is he in this pickle that he's in? Why are you in this field of work? Is there a pathway out for you? Would you take it if it was presented to you? If I was willing to help you, if if I connected you with, with people that could get you out of this situation, would you take it? 
and what do you need moving forward? Like, like how can we get you out of this situation? Because his first explanation to me was that he was going to try and go back to his own place and then prepare to meet these guys in a better situation where he could come out on top. And I was like, okay, Grandma Morgan needs to step in again. That's not going to be the answer here. What is a better answer is getting you out of this situation and out of this field of work. And so I asked him about it. He's interested in, in being an EMT. He said he's interested in helping people and that he would love one day to become a firefighter. And then what was funny is he looks at me as I'm talking to him and he goes, you're a really good communicator. You're, you sound like really smart. And I was like, he has no idea that I am going to grandma the heck out of him. So I was just super excited. And so I was like, oh, thank you so much. You know, I don't know why, but in reality, I'm like, I'm going to normalize to radicalize this guy into embracing freedom and self-responsibility. Here we go. So then we get talking and we're talking and I had just listened to this really good audio book called The Chosen Few. I have it up. Um, The Chosen Few is about um, chosen company that was in Afghanistan. Really, really good. I've been listening to a lot of Afghanistan books just with everything that's been going on there. I love to understand more of the situation. Oops. Um, let's see. It's by Greg Zoroya. Am I pronouncing that right? The Chosen Few by Greg Zoroya. Um, a company of paratroopers and its heroic struggle to survive in the mountains of Afghanistan. So I brought up that audiobook because part of what he said is that his circumstances in life from being born until now have been a struggle and he doesn't have that strong family. He doesn't have a strong mother. He doesn't have a father figure in that way. And he felt lost. He needs to take care of himself. He, he, is alone. I mean, he has this broken phone even like that he can't even use. So I couldn't even give him my number to stay connected with him. I had to give him my Instagram and he never messaged me after, which made me so sad, (laughs) but hopefully he does one day. And so chosen company, one of the first couple chapters is all about how all of the guys in chosen company, chosen few, chosen fuse is the book name. And then chosen company, all the guys in the chosen company were from these broken homes. They were looking for direction. They were troublemakers. They were troublemakers and they were accepted into this family of brotherhood and all this really beautiful stuff. And so I was like, first thing you need to do, first action item, because I'm an action item oriented lady, is you got to listen to this audiobook. So I sent it to him. I don't know if he's even going to be able to listen to it because of his phone being broken. But that was one of the first things I suggested. And for that, it's like, there's probably so many people out there that need more direction and and need mentors, need guidance in life. And when we all talk about, you know, the importance of strong individuals, strong families leading to strong communities, lead to a strong country. I I believe in that so much, but that, and along with the assumption that every family can take their kids out of public school and start homeschooling their kids and, and doing all this amazing stuff the way I want to, I want to homeschool my kids. I know that not every family is able to do that. Not every child has those resources. Not every child is blessed with those kind of parents, with that kind of family structure. And so as individuals, as community members, how can we make sure that we are hand, not giving a handout, but giving a hand up to those people and providing the mentorship and guidance that uh, they should be getting from parents that they just don't have. So that's a really important thing for all of us, especially conservatives, to be focusing on. When we don't want government solutions, we want community solutions. That really, really matters to me. And so I hope that that book got him on the good track. And then I hope that he also considers the military stuff because we were talking about different routes for him. He had said he would consider military. He wants firefighter. He wants EMT. He literally said, I just want to help people. And I know I'm not doing that right now. 
And it, I don't know, I'm not going to cry, but it like made me sad. So then this is where another aspect of our conversation is so interesting. <laughs> he does his field of work. He does his certain stuff. He's getting fights and all these things. And I'm, I'm trying to bring my perspective of stuff. And after we talked about the chosen few, after we talked about his potential career steps, I said, okay, so, and again, he doesn't know who I am. And I'm not saying I'm like super cool, but I've got some connections, you know what I'm saying? Um, And I don't mean to flex that, but it's like, well, if we're trying to help this guy, then yeah, I will flex those connections. So I didn't want to like freak him out or anything. And I also, like he saw my phone screen, it's Melania Trump. (laughs) Like I I think it was pretty obvious, but he didn't seem very politically conservative, if, if you know what I mean. And so I said, well, you know, knowing this, I feel like, I could help you get on a path like this. I just have to put some thought into it. And so I'm going to talk to my friends and see what I can do. I, I, and then I go, I was just having coffee yesterday with my friend who's in the sheriff's department and, and he might be a really great first start for us. Um, he might be a really good, good initial point of contact to figure out what would be the best steps. And the, the kid looks at me and he goes, you're friends with a cop. And I was like, yeah. Yeah. And he was like, oh my God, are you like important or something? <laughs> and I was like, no. Um, but he, he's in the sheriff's department and, and I think he would be really good. And he was like, I don't know. I can't believe you're friends with a cop. And I was like, wait, why? And he, he said something negative about them. And, and my first reaction was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Okay. We can't help each other here. If you're going to have that stigma, you got to drop that. You got to drop that stereotype, the negative stereotype, the stigma, whatever, you know, has influenced you to feel that way. They are a force for good. And he looks at me and he explains that his interactions with police so far have been negative. And he feels his word was dehumanized after his interactions with police officers. And I said, okay, I, I hear you and I appreciate that you would share that with me. And I respect that totally, that that was your experience. But there's a a better way for us to move forward than completely digging into our trenches and saying, oh, you're friends with a cop. I don't like cops. They suck. And there's no fixing it. So I was like, maybe just keep an open mind and I'll do some digging and figure out if there's something that we could do. And I, I really hope you keep an open mind on it. So that was interesting. And then on top of that, like, so I was wearing Ray-Bans, long story short, never judge a book by its cover because I was wearing Ray-Bans and literally two weeks ago, I made the decision that, gosh darn it, Morgan, you always sit on your sunglasses. I can't buy expensive sunglasses usually because I end up sitting on them, always. I sit and I hear a crunch in my seat, in the car, and I go, oh, I did it again. That's been me for years. And so my personal challenge to myself recently was to buy myself a pair of Ray-Bans two weeks ago and not break them. And I thought maybe if I invested in this pair, I would feel, I'd feel more attached and feel more caring and, and have more intention about not breaking it. And it would be like a little challenge for me. And so that's the only reason I have Ray-Bans. I'm not some rich lady that like wears expensive sunglasses and stuff all the time. It was just a personal challenge to me to better myself. And he looks at me and sees me in Ray-Bans and thinks I'm some like rich lady that is like just balling all the time. It was pretty funny. But so then I, I don't know, it, it was really sad. I got him as Uber and we had a good like 20 minute talk. And I said, are you going to listen to that audiobook? 
are you going to message me when you get back to the apartment? And he was like, yes, yes, yes. Thank you so much. And he said, thank you like a million times. And I walked him out to the front to make sure that he safely got into the Uber and it took him to his apartment and I have him on Instagram. He hasn't followed me yet. Um, and I said, please don't lose touch with me. And he hasn't messaged me back, which makes me sad, but I'm just going to keep hoping for him and praying for him. And I think, you know, people might think that was a bad decision. My mom might not be thrilled to hear that this is the thing that I did, but uh, I think it was the smart decision there. And it's important for us to show grace and, and understanding and forgiveness. Now, it's I think it's when we look at grace, it's like, okay, when do we draw the line between showing grace and allowing bad behavior, enabling bad behavior? And I think that comes with like evaluating it for yourself and then evaluating it for others. For yourself, for me, I am a an anxious perfectionist. I guess that would be a good description of it. I've always gotten great grades. I've always succeeded in everything. I've always done my best. And pretty much a lot of that is because I am anxious. And if I'm not doing my best, then I feel it in my head of like, I could be doing better. Case in point, I wake up most of the time at 4.30 in the morning. At 6.30, I feel anxious and panicked that I haven't reached certain goals of what I wanted to achieve by 6.30 in the morning. I'm fully aware of how psycho that sounds. And I still, every morning at 6.30, I'm like, oh, I haven't read a chapter of a book yet. I need to sit down and read my, oh, I haven't written this brief yet. Ugh. Oh, I haven't written my script yet for blah, blah, blah. Uh, I, like, I haven't made it to the gym. I'm supposed to be at the gym by 7. I'm supposed to be done with my brief, my brief at 6.30 so that I can get dressed and be at the gym by 7. It's like, what am I doing? Calm down. And so I really, it's like a constant struggle and frustration for me because I'm always anxious about everything and I'm trying to calm down trying to relax. And I literally never can. I have to take CBD at night just to go to bed because it's just my mind races. And then I wake up in the morning. So like time to go, time to do things that four 30, I can't fall back asleep. So I just really hope that I don't wake up early and I'm literally trying to sleep in longer, but I can't, it's a problem. So that's a weakness that I have because I, I need to just show myself more grace, I think. Um, and instead I can't and it's frustrating. So I'm working on that. That being said, though, people make mistakes. And I know a lot of people have these major regrets in life when they do something wrong. If you do a bad thing, you should have those regrets. I hate when people are like, I don't have regrets. Life happens and you move on and you learn a lesson. Yes, you can have regrets for something. You can say like, okay, I'm not going to regret everything that happened in my life. But when you make bad decisions and it leads to really negative consequences that affect you and others, you should have regrets because you should feel remorse for doing something like that. You should be thankful for the lesson that comes from it and obviously not do it again. But I think it's irresponsible for us to say, oh, no, I don't have any regrets in anything that I've done in life. I just don't think that's healthy. I think it's okay to be regretful of things and, and have regret for the things that you've done. I do. And then I also am willing to show myself grace because I know that I've learned and I will not do certain things over again. And that comes with the things I do in work, in relationships, personally, all the things. Um, That being said, a lot of the women that I talk to, because we're like, I'm in the conservative women's circle and all this stuff, 
we're always talking about like Ruth, we're talking about Esther, we're talking about Proverbs 31, like what the the noble woman is in the Bible and all this stuff. And she's forgiving and she's righteous and she's uh, loving and tender, but also hardworking and serves her husband and serves her kids and her kids and her husband rise up and call her blessed and all these things. And she has grace for others. That's like such an important part, right? And it's like, I have misinterpreted that so many times in my life. I think God is like, Morgan, stop, please. Like, <laughs> I, I, you know, God's probably like, oh God, there she goes again. <laughs> I, I really do think that he's like, Morgan, you're not doing it right. You're not listening to me. But I think all of this, especially for women, we want to, we're so compassionate. To act like science doesn't make us more compassionate and more empathetic than men is ridiculous and anti-science. So when we are compassionate and we want to bring that forgiveness and that grace in the picture, we have to understand that there's a big, big difference between having compassion, grace, and forgiveness and not judging someone for past decisions when they're clearly a changed person and stuff. And then also understanding that you don't have to accept terrible behavior just because you want to be a gracious person. Like you can look at that and say, okay, I'm going to have grace. I'm not going to judge or anything, but I know that's not for me. And you can make that distinction and draw that line. And I, that was such a big lesson that I learned eventually. And I do that with relationships now. I do that with work things. It's like, yeah, I'm not going to judge them and, and you can do you. I'm just not going to insert myself in it. And it's okay. That's still a graceful thing to do. You don't have to like tell yourself that it is a good idea to totally forgive and look past bad behavior that you usually wouldn't align with just because you are telling yourself in your head that you're being graceful and forgiving and a Proverbs 31 woman that, you know, has love for people that have maybe had uh, bad behavior in their past. That's the kind of stuff where just save yourself the trouble. Okay, ladies, I hope that helps. Now, I'm really glad that I showed grace in this situation with the boy that was in the apartment complex. I'm very disappointed in myself for not concealed carrying properly on my body in a situation like that and being completely complacent with my surroundings. And that led to a dangerous situation that could have been so much worse. That that situation happened in a matter of a, a few seconds. And it just really opened my eyes. So am I going to continue to judge myself for that? Am I going to be harsh on myself? No, I'm just going to be very aware of the fact that I just learned a really, really aggressive and hard lesson of how quick that can happen, even for someone like me that is always talking about and very clearly paying attention to my surroundings and being self-aware. So that was a big lesson. I'm not going to keep you know, whipping myself about it. I'm just going to be more aware and take that lesson moving forward. Same thing with everything else. Mistakes in life, it's okay to have regrets for that because regrets mean that you feel bad about the impact that that had on you and others. It's okay to take those regrets, learn that lesson, and then say, I'm not going to do it again. Um, so have grace for yourself. Have grace for yourself if you feel like you're constantly rushing and trying to get through to the next goal. I keep doing that. What's the the homesteaders group chat that I'm in? We sent a really sweet quote to each other recently, and it was like, you know, you're you always ask God for things. You know, you always pray for things and talk to God about it, and then when He gives you them, you're too busy to realize that he's just answered your prayers because you're asking for the next thing. You're, you're praying for the next thing, the next phase of life. And that's such a good point. And so the homesteaders group chat answered prayers, you know what I'm saying? And so I've got to calm down, relax and realize that everything is, is going at a really great pace. And I'm thankful for that. 
And then with other people, people in your life, family, relationships, friends, all that stuff, it's okay to have grace for them and not judge them and, and definitely never speak ill of other people. Never talk bad about other people. If you are someone where the door closes after someone leaves and you're already talking about them, it's a no-go for me. I just will not hang out with you anymore. I have no time, no patience for immoral behavior in that sense. But I will have grace for people that make mistakes. I will have grace for people that are regretful of the the impact that their decisions had on others and are constantly and actively working to fix that. And I will say, okay, me looking past red flags is not me being graceful. It's me being an idiot. (laughs) That's the last lesson there. So I hope that helps in multiple situations. I hope all the ladies out there listening and guys, remember to uh, be safe and aware of your surroundings because you literally never know. Uh, Good thing Morgan Seger's obituary does not say, well, she was just a big LARPer that always talked about women's safety and concealed carrying on her Instagram, but then got killed by a random guy on the way to her pool in her apartment (laughs) in a bikini. Womp womp. So big life lesson there. All right. I'll talk to you guys later. I hope that was helpful. Remember to subscribe five stars and keep grinding away, baby. It's the holiday season. Tradition matters, culture matters, and we have an exciting project coming up. So stay tuned um, for the nonprofit. I will uh, keep you guys updated on that. Subscribe to this, give it five stars, comment that it was the best podcast you've ever heard. (laughs) And I'll see you later. Bye-bye. J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.